snippets of timeless classics with ramblings on everything bookish, Ink and Quill connects you with literature, culture and writers in China and around the globe. Discovering literature and following the stories behind your favorite authors, this is Ink and Quill. I'm your host, Yang Yong. In his 1988 novel, Dance, 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 Japanese writer Haruki Murakami once lamented the passing of time like this. The clock is ticking, the hours are going by. The past increases, the future recedes. Possibilities decreasing, regrets mounting. Yes, in the blink of an eye, a moment is gone forever and impossible to reproduce. But photography possesses a unique power of stopping time. By taking pictures of those ephemeral gifs, emotions and images, we preserve memories and document lives. To a certain extent, photos become passports for us, the brittle mortals, to reach the perpetual sanctum of immortality. So, in today's Inconquil, we are going to introduce some of the most eminent photographers of our time, whose works might transport us back to those bygone days. To many netizens, the change that has taken place in China in the past three decades is widely regarded as one of the most profound in modern history. But would this view be different when looking through the lens of a foreigner? As Xu Fei reports, a French photographer begs to disagree, as he witnessed China's transformation through the viewfinder of his camera. Yang Lima first came to China in the early 1980s when the country looked very different from today. He came back countless times and recorded what he saw with his camera. Lima began his photography career in China in 1985 when he was 22 years old. 30 years passed, and among all the changes that have taken place, Lima says, it is the people that have changed the most. Now the Chinese people are very open to foreigners, very open to new world. Chinese people are right to be proud of globalization, to be part of the global culture. This is a very nice thing. I think the evolving of China is a very, very nice thing and very important to the global balance. Chinese readers can easily find their collective memories in Lima's latest photo album, China in Yesterday, heating bookshelves in the country. Apart from the city life, Lima constantly recorded the life of minority groups. He went to the villages of the Dong people in the southwest four times during the course of one year. Lima says he tried his best to record life in a faithful and a universal manner. I try to be very objective. My work is to study hard photography and study China 
and to walk around and just to recognize true values which are not belonging to me. I very seldom put myself into the photograph. I want it to be very objective. So if you look at these pictures, it's not my point of view, I believe. It is international culture of photography. Photography is a, a world language that everybody in the world can understand. It's silent, but it's beyond a word. It's a language by itself. His friend, art manager Na Rui Song, echoes this view, saying, "When it comes to photography, layman's nationality is almost irrelevant." It doesn't mean he sees China differently from Chinese people. Seriously, I cannot see anything like that. He's just so good at it. That's it. But it is hard to argue that this is the case for every photographer. Like many other art forms, photography is engraved with the values and experiences of its creator. Lema says, for him, being objective is paramount. It's better to be、uh, objective. But、uh, a lot of photographers say, if you're too close, it's not good. If you're too far, it's not good. You have to find the right distance with your story. When Lema worked along China's coastline in the 1990s, professional photography was in its heyday. He could earn 300,000 yuan from a single album at that time. Of course, it is not an easy job. Lema says he took 10,000 photos and picked 80 for one album. The photographer suffered severe depression in the early 2000s, but he never gave up his pursuit. Lima says being part of the changes in China is like a dream comes true. I'm more than satisfied of my life because it's unique, because it's、uh, very rich of、uh, emotions, experience, meeting with nice people. I love China for many reasons. The more I know China, the more I love China. Yeah. Lima says, amid the rise of the internet, photography publications are becoming something of the past. But it is safe to say, with his faithful and insightful records of China, his works will never lose their glow. That was Xu Fei introducing us to French photographer Yan Lema's latest collection, China in Yesterday. But not everyone captures China's transformation by shooting the daily lives of its citizens. The carriage is a mobile society. You can witness the vicissitudes of life on the train. This is Wang Fuchun. One of China's most prolific photographers, he has spent almost four decades lensing locomotives, tracks, and in particular, travelers commuting on trains. Stay tuned for his story. Explore the life of great wordsmiths. Share their stories beyond the pages. Ink and Quill brings you the voices of writers and book lovers. Welcome back. You are listening to Ink and Quill with Yang Yong. 
For most of us, a train, the metal machine that carries us from point A to point B, is merely another transportation option. In the eyes of those who cherish their peaceful private space, the ear-piercing screams from little children, yammers from people talking loudly on their cell phones, the idea of spending hours with an overwhelming trainload of strangers, not to mention the claustrophobia-triggered sensation of being stuck in a confined carriage, would render a locomotive ride a loathing, unpleasant experience. But for Chinese photographer Wang Fuchun, taking a train has never been a problem. Once I get in, I feel at home. I will get excited. Instead of settling down for relax, I will prowl through carriages. Born in 1943, Wang developed a lifelong affinity with trains when he was still a boy. I became an orphan at an early age, so my elder brother and his wife took me under their wings. Around that time, my brother worked for the railway administration, so our house was near the rail line. Every day, I watched trains go by and listened to their shrieking. We were pretty poor back then, so in order to support the family, I collected cinders along the tracks during the harvest season to collect grains that have not been harvested. I would hop onto trains to nearby farmlands. It's kind of like the old movie Railroad Gorilla. My love for trains has grown in me since my early childhood. In the year 1963. Persuaded by his brother, Wang decided to transform his love for trains into a career. The then 20-year-old got admitted into a vocational railroad training school, where he trained as an engineman. I applied for that school because I wanted to drive the train. But after graduation, I was assigned the role of car inspector. As you can imagine. I was slightly disappointed, but this episode didn't affect my feelings towards trains. In the 70s, I became a graphic designer for the labor union of the Sankershu Railway Administration. Then, in 1977, each work unit was asked to elect exemplary employees. For the sake of publicity, the head of the labor union asked me to take some pictures. That's how I started my photography career. But back then, Wang Fuchun thumbed his nose at photography. Before that, I had already tried my hands on photography for many times. I didn't regard it as a form of art. I was convinced that painting was an art, whereas photography was merely a matter of technique. Judging his old photos by today's standards. The earliest subjects under Wang's lens are quite monotonous. Most of them are just some publicity setups, aimed at fueling work ethos among rail workers. He took those photos dutifully, without much zeal. Then there was an exhibition that finally helped Wang discover his vocation in photography. 
I remember it was 1980 when Japanese photographer Hiroji Kubota exhibited his photos on China in the city of Harbin. His photos were so big that each one of them occupied nearly an entire wall. It was mind-boggling. Kubota specializes in documentary photography. His works changed my mind and how I took pictures. Subsequently, Wang started carrying along a twin-lens seagull camera, which he used to record the lives of many temporary tenants on the trains. No one ever assigned a topic to me or told me what to do. I didn't preconceive my subjects. As long as there was something that was interesting enough to capture my attention, I would just press the shutter. Around that time, documentary photography was unheard of. Everything just happened quite randomly. In contrast to his previous approach, Wang has chosen to furtively sneak around the carriages and snap pictures. Half joking, half serious, the photographer calls himself a thief. To take good photos, you have to equip with the gut and the sharp eye of a thief. I call myself a professional pickpocket, but what I steal away is not passengers' money, but their images. Wang admits that his snoopy approach has constantly raised suspicion. The police would always ask for his ID, and his camera was once snatched away by a grouchy passenger. But thanks to his discreetness, we as spectators have this rare opportunity to be exposed to some of the most intimate off-guard moments of many travelers. Through his viewfinder, parents affectionately gaze down at a wide-eyed newborn baby. Two lovebirds covered by the same blanket are mesmerized by each other's eyes, and a chubby monk grips his prayer beads and dozes off. All the pictures are in black and white. In his later photo collection, Wang notes that the carriage is like a multifaceted prism that mirrors with clarity the larger society, life, family, everyone of us. It also resembles a stage where all kinds of comedies, tragedies, and farces are displayed. In other places, people are usually reserved and disciplined, but on the train. They are so much at ease and self-indulgent. In the photo book, 火车上的中国人 literally translating to Chinese on the train, Wang Fuchun mines into the vicissitudes of life and the dramatic transformation of the Chinese railway network over the past four decades. Forget the glitzy modern bullet trains that frequently appear in the news today. As we flip through the pages. We are drawn back to the time when Luipichuo or green-skinned train in English was the top choice mode of transport for long-distance travelers. Steam-driven, those overcrowded, noisy iron horses traveled at 30 to 70 kilometers per hour and could take days to reach the destination. Wang Fuchun recalls. There was no air conditioner in the late 1970s. Later, fans were installed, but inside the compartments, it was still hot and stuffy, and jumble of people crammed against each other. When the temperature was way up and the sweat was pouring down, people would smoke or take their shirts off. 
So you had a good idea of what to expect, a stinky, suffocating ride. Yet his images show no anguish nor fret. A man of warm-hearted and easy-going personality, Wang has made his images, be it those of sitless migrant workers or travelers overloaded with big luggage, that are imbued with a sense of lightness. The relaxed, calm bearing of his subjects definitely sets Wang apart from many other documentary photographers. That's because I had experience in graphic design. I had touched upon oiling paintings, prints, traditional Chinese painting, and many others. But what I love the most is comics. Although I gave up drawing for a long time, the visual narratives and humorous elements in comics have been largely involved in my photos. Some people might say that my works are interesting and comical. They don't know if the scenario is not funny. I won't click the shutter at all. His photo book also serves as the visual chronicle of history. Flipping through the pages, we have experienced how people's dress codes have changed from stiff uniforms to all kinds of outfits. The ways of killing time shifting from playing mahjong with the fellow travelers to staring at respective digital devices, and how green-skinned trains are replaced by comfortable high-speed trains. This How Chinese trains have evolved. First, it was steam train, and then it was replaced by diesel locomotive. Coming up, we got electric trains. Now, bullet train has become the norm. As the transportation has improved, people inside the carriages have changed as well. These transformations mirror the tremendous changes of China after opening up to the outside world since the late 1970s. The transformation was silent and subtle. I am glad that as a photographer, I document these changes, and people like my pictures. Nowadays, the high-speed railway network in the Middle Kingdom measures a staggering 22,000 kilometers, more than the rest of the world combined. As China's railway revolution continues to pick up steam, it is expected that by 2020. This sprawling network will cover 80% of the big cities, but in the eyes of Wang Fuchun, the improvement has also brought some undesirable side effects. Now, walking inside the high-speed rail, no matter how hard I try, I cannot find a good subject to capture. There is no story anymore. People either lie down or stare at their mobile phones. They stop chatting to people sitting next to them. There is no conversation throughout the entire journey. The indifference has become the most significant trait of this day and age. In 2014, Wang Fuchun was selected by Invisible Photographer Asia as one of the 30 most influential photographers in Asia. Joining some of the most established names in the pantheon, such as Daido Moriyama and Pablo Bartholomew, but the man has no intention to stop right there. Besides the train, he has also snapped pictures of people on subways in his hometown of Heilongjiang and many other locations. Taxi driver. 
也是人学。Documentary photography is an art of human beings. It's meaningless without documenting humans. People are the carriers of social activities. There is nothing wrong with landscape photography, but those images only reflect one facet of life, which is pure beauty. But documentary photos could reveal so much more. They can see something beyond the beauty, such as tragedy, bitterness, and pain. That's what life is really about. Just like the American best-selling novelist David Baldacci once said, "Most folk who ride trains could care less where they are going. For them, it's the journey itself and the people they meet along the way." It's the same case for Wang Fuchun. With every photo he takes, a little bit of China gets on and says hello. Bestseller, smash hit, page turner. Ink and Quill delves into the very heart of the works that make us laugh, cry, and sigh. When Beatlemania hit the Western Hemisphere in the 1960s, rock and roll was just a blimp on China's music radar. The golden era of rock music didn't sweep China until the 1990s. At that time, being left at a turning point where China opened up after years of seclusion and deprivation, many chose this particular genre to express their struggle, frustration, and anxiety. So, for today's Ink and Quill, Yu Yang will introduce us to a photo book, Sing Away, or in Chinese, Ba Qingchun Changwan, which documents some of the most memorable moments and faces in the Chinese music scene. It was 1994, a year destined to leave an imprint in the history of Chinese music. For the very first time, rockers and heavy metal bands from the mainland took the stage at the celebrated Hong Kong Coliseum and belted out their stark lyrics and intricate tunes, a stunning local audience. The show not only leaves an impact no less than the 1969 Woodstock Festival, but also signifies the peak of Chinese rock and roll. In De Jian, a middle-aged music lover recalls, "At that time, people clung to their understanding of music with an unwavering devotion and unsophisticated attitude. Compared with today's musicians, they had high aspirations." But in the eyes of the photographer Gao Yuan, there is no need to deify or glorify that period. What I experienced was the absurdity, bitterness, and joy that solely belong to young people. Those emotions are not exclusive to my generation. Maybe compared with today's youth, we were merely more riotous.
Her carefree attitude is reflected in her latest photo book, "Sing Away," or in Chinese, "Ba Qingchun Chawan." With a collection of hundreds of black and white pictures taken during the 1990s, the book features some of the most heavyweight figures in the music scene. Such as John Denver, the legendary American acoustic artist, and Cui Jian, the father of Chinese rock music. But instead of snapping pictures of disheveled stars getting stage swagger or intoxicated groupies going prodigal like many paparazzi do, this shutterbug captures some of the least exciting moments of these rock pioneers, such as dozing off on an airplane, getting haircut on the road, or lighting cigarettes at a friend's party. Folk singer Lao Lang is a regular face shown in the book. One of the pictures is of him sitting in the corridor outside his house and looking directly at the camera. All the people shown in the photos are our friends. I can't pick out which one is better or not. They all look good to me because the pictures were taken when we were relaxed, which is pretty rare. Turning through pages, readers may be surprised by some less-known facets of their musical heroes. Alternative rock guru Dao Wei enjoys playing soccer. Why the phenomenal band Black Panther once had to travel nationwide to find performing opportunity. Although aesthetically speaking, not all the photos in the book are pleasing to the eyes, as some are unfocused, while a few capture the subject's insolent expressions. Music executive Niu Jiawei still speaks highly of the photographer's efforts. Thanks to Gao Yuan, the images of that time have been kept. She is very meticulous to keep every detail. Those pictures may not appear to be artsy like those celebrity photos, but they are very genuine. However, will this nostalgic collection appeal to today's younger generation or not? Liu Yan, a rock fanboy in the 1980s, provides her answer. I think 1990s is a special time period. At that time, the open-up policy had only been established for a few years. Young people must feel lost, so they try to find themselves and search for life value, which is the same case today. From the prosperity of heavy metal band Tom Dynasty. The ice-breaking concert in the Hong Kong Coliseum, to the birth of Bored Army, the first band whose members are all only child, all the pictures in Sing Away are arranged in a chronological style. So the book is not merely a personal tribute to youth, but also serves as a reminder for that restless, confused, and yet scintillating age. Yu Yang walking us through the Chinese rock music scene as it was back in the 1990s. On that note, it's time to wrap up today's program. Don't forget, 
that there are always more interesting happenings in the literary world, and we will keep you posted. To learn more about us, you can follow our Facebook account China Plus, or simply download our podcast by searching the keyword "Inconquil" on iTunes. Thank you for tuning in. I'm your host Yang Yong. See you next time.